Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I'm going to get stuck straight into it this morning. So who brought their Bible? Who brought their iPhone? Ah, Well, you have a Bible app on there and then you can get away with saying that you brought both. So let me read. We're going to read from the book of Mark today and we're talking about sacrifice. Going to read from the book of Mark today. So let me read this out to you. If you don't have a Bible, sit back, relax. Here's what it says. The rich young man. This is a story about the rich young man. It's a true story. It's not a parable. It says, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. Jesus said to him, Well, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold when? Now in this time, Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, asterisks, and in the age to come, uh, and, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. It's a great passage which is just illustrating so many points. So this morning I uh, got up nice and early and I was reading the Bible and going through my message and my son Isaac, he came and he sat on my lap and he likes to do that. And I, don't, I, don't, I never want to sort of usher him out of the room because he wants to sit on my lap while I'm reading the Bible. So why would you not want your child to sit with you while you're doing that? It's just showing him, you know, how to, you know, get close to God. So he sat and I said, Isaac, I said, today, I said, I've got a lot of things to do. I've got to, I'm thinking about this message and so forth. He said, Dad, is it going to take a long time? I said, well, it's going, to, it's going to take a little while that I've got to go through. If you're going to sit in here, you've got to be silent. He said, all right, well, I can do that. I got to the end of reading that scripture and he looked at me, he goes, 
so that's it, right? I said, no, I've just read the scripture. He's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, mate, I've only just started, you know? So, so there's something else to come after this. You know, I was reading this passage and it really illustrated to me some important points. And, and here is something that you've got to absolutely get and, and store this in your heart and wrap your mind around it. Sacrifice reveals dependency. Sacrifice reveals dependency. Now, it is amazing what makes people feel secure. It's amazing. For some people, it might be a position in a company makes them feel secure, like their, their life is of worth. For some people, it might be an amount of money that they've got perhaps in the bank. It's amazing what makes people feel secure. And I was reading this story recently about a a, a woman who was on staff at a church and she worked as the administrator or she worked on reception. And this woman was so enthusiastic. She was so happy. She always had a spring in her step, step. She was always just full of joy and excited. And anyway, so, so everyone loved her. And in 2008, her husband, who had a really well-paying job, he lost his job. And as a direct result of losing the job, a lot of the lifestyle that she had went with it. You know what was really disturbing about that story is that when this woman began to go back to work, she became really grouchy. She became really frustrated with people easily. She used to give nicknames to the staff and the kids would run around. She'd chase after them and that, but all of that was gone. She wasn't running after people. She wasn't chasing. She was just unhappy. She was grumpy. You know what? I reckon if someone had said to her during the time before 2008, when the global financial crisis hit, I bet if someone had said to her at that point, I think you've attached your happiness to your wealth. She would have said, that's crazy. Nope. I've got a great relationship with God. I serve in church. I'm not about any of that stuff. And yet the most interesting thing happens as her lifestyle begins to slip through her fingers, she begets exceedingly displeased. She becomes grumpy. It's funny how people can so easily attach their happiness in life to their position, to their status, to their wealth. But it's not until you begin to lose some of these things or unless they're taken from you that it's truly revealed. People could live for a long time not truly understanding what they depend on. Maybe even kind of deluded. People could live a whole life like that not realizing it provided they continue to have everything that they want. This rich young man that we read about in this story, man, this guy was the package. He was young. He was rich. He was, if you cross-reference all the Gospels, he was a ruler. He's a ruler of what? Probably a synagogue. He's got position. He's got status. He's got everything. He's, he's wealthy. And so when Jesus is sort of talking to him and saying, this guy, when, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and eventually he says to them, hey, you know, this, it's going to be really hard for a wealthy person to get into heaven. The reason the disciples were so shocked by that is because they looked at wealth as God's favor and blessing. In other words, people that are wealthy, God is pleased with them. And so they said, well, if God is 
pleased with him and it's impossible for him to get into heaven, then who can it be possible for? They saw wealth as God's favor and blessing on their life. And this guy comes and he gets before Jesus and he kneels down and he says, good teacher, what must I do? He had like a couple of words and he got both things wrong. He had two ideas, good teacher, what do I do? Jesus says both wrong. First of all, only God is good. Second of all, Christianity isn't about what you do. Christianity is about what you believe. Christianity is about who you are. It's not about what you do. In fact, the truth is, is that there's nothing we can really do to get into heaven. There's nothing we can really do. There's no amount of generosity that we could come up with on this earth that would gain us a pass to get to heaven. You, you, you just can't do it because Christianity is about who you are. You can do all the right things and get them completely wrong because you can pray, but you can pray selfishly. You can pray and, and, and be thinking only about the things that benefit you. You can pray and, and, and just have a wrong heart when you're praying. and not. You can pray and not get it right. Man, you can give and not get it right. You could give and you could be generous and you could do it with the worst attitude. I said a couple of weeks ago, in this service that when I was younger, you know, when I wouldn't eat my food, my dad would say to me, hey, you will eat this food and you will like it. It was just something he made us do. And I always thought, hey, you can make me eat the food, but you can't make me like it. And people can try to make you give, but you don't have to enjoy it. And you can actually give and you can do it wrong by not doing it with the right spirit and heart. And you can worship and you can do it wrongly. You can worship wrong things. You can worship wrong attitudes. You can worship people. You can worship idols. I mean, we can be doing all the right things on the surface. And the thing that matters most to God in all of this would be what? Mm -hmm. It's your heart. He cares exceedingly about the attitude with which you give, exceedingly about the attitude with which you worship. And that's why Jesus looked on this guy and he loved him. You know why? Because there's, there's some desperation in this guy, isn't there? He comes and he gets before him. And he says, hey, what do I have to do? Like I'm doing everything. That's why I think why Jesus loved him, because he said, man, this guy is trying. Jesus asks him one question, one question that reveals his dependency. He says, give away everything that you've got. Come follow me because dependency is actually where you place your hope. And in one question, he reveals to the man where his hope truly is. Here's what you got to know. It's not until you sacrifice that you realize your dependency because you could be deluded. While you've got everything, you can believe anything you want, but it's only when you have to lose something or give something away that you truly realize where your dependency comes from. And see, if you never ever sacrificed, you could have misplaced your hope and you wouldn't even know it. You might not even realize. I'll tell you something about misplaced hope. You know, eventually it becomes a prison. You can misplace your hope and it will become a prison. You could be tithing, you could be giving, and money could still have your heart. What? How? Well, I'll tell you how, because this guy was so wealthy that he could easily do the bare minimum and it didn't come close to sacrifice for him. And when Jesus asked him to sacrifice, it suddenly revealed where his treasure was. It suddenly revealed where his heart was. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, 
He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. What a sad predicament you would be in if the thing that you love, you could never be satisfied by. If the thing that you wanted, you could never have enough of it. Wouldn't that be a a terrible position to be in? Wouldn't it be sad if some people became so interested in wealth that that became the thing that they ended up pursuing in life? You know, it's really sad because there are a lot of things that people can pursue in this life that end up costing them more than they realized. You know what's really sad? Is what can be sacrificed on the altar of wealth, on the pursuit of wealth? Because after all, if that's where your dependency comes from, should you not spend your life going after the thing that provides you hope? That makes sense to you, right? So that makes sense. If someone whose hope is money, they're going to spend their life going after it. Do you know what gets sacrificed on the altar of hope? Marriages. On the altar of wealth, sorry. It's marriages. You think about it. Husband believes that the best thing he can do for his family is to be the breadwinner. It's just a scenario. So he goes and he works hard all week. And he works weekends and working seven days a week just trying to earn money. And he, gets, he leaves home early in the morning, which is fine, but he also gets home late at night. So he never really sees his spouse. And they sit down at the dinner table and she tries to ask him some questions, you know, about his day. How was your day today, sweetheart? And he gives her basically an answer. He says, fine, it's fine. He doesn't want to talk about it because he's tired. And he spends a lifetime pursuing that. Why? Because he's interested primarily in wealth. He thinks that's the best thing that he's got to offer his family. Because it's the most important thing to him. Because he knows all the bills that are coming up. And he's so worried about that, that that's the thing that he pursues most. And you know what? People have pursued wealth to the detriment of their marriage. People pursue wealth at the detriment to their health. They pursue wealth to the detriment of their health. They work hard and they're getting sick and they're getting tired and they can't take a break and everything depends on them and they have to keep having that job. You know, Sarah and I, we were talking about a a family yesterday, some friends of hers, not connected to our church or anyone close to us, but we're talking about these people and this husband, he's got this job that causes him to travel all around the country and every couple of months he's moving his family. So the kids struggle to make friendships. You know, his his wife, his spouse, she struggles to make friendships because as soon as she gets settled, they move. And I'm saying there's not necessarily anything wrong with it. But if the motivation behind that is, guys, we just need the money, I'm saying that there are some things in life that are more important than wealth. There are some things in life you just shouldn't sacrifice. Like, for example, you should never sacrifice your children's childhood. You should never sacrifice that. You know, moms, dads, they need you at the park. They need you at swimming lessons. 
They need you at basketball. They need you to take them places. They need you to sit down and read books with them. They need you, God forbid, to play video games, you know. They need you to do life with them so they're not doing it on their own. And a person who was so caught up in the pursuit of wealth could end up pursuing it because they think that that's their greatest value. And in the process of pursuing the thing that they think gives them health, they end up losing the very things that are important to them. You see, everyone is sacrificing something. I'm saying you should think carefully about what you sacrifice and about what's really important to you. Because wouldn't it be really sad if you ended up missing out on something in life that was truly important? Like, for example, what God had for you. Can I read a story to you? This story is about a guy named Saul. He's the king of Israel. And uh, Saul is basically told to go and destroy a village because they, uh, they were at war and God gives him this victory, but he says, don't keep anything. And you've got to understand about this, that the, the sheep and the oxen and that, that is this country's wealth, okay? So he says, don't keep any of that. I want you to just go and destroy everything. No problem, we've got this. Here's what happens. Samuel, who's a prophet, he comes to Saul, that's King Saul, and he says to him, sorry, Saul says to him, blessed be to you the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel says, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? It's a good question. Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. It's not me. It was the people. It was their fault. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Not exactly what God said, is it? Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, stop right there and I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And Saul, he says to him, speak, what, you know, what did God say to you? And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, in other words, you're insecure, even though you're an insecure guy, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But again, the people took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, and the best of the things that were devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen, uh, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, finally, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I, I feared the people 
I was more concerned. That's where that insecurity comes from. I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you've rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Saul was given everything and he sacrificed his calling, his position on the altar of wealth. You know why? Because he listened to the voice of the people over the voice of God. And he said, you know what? We're going to take, Saul was told to sacrifice everything. Don't take anything. None of this is yours. And he said, no, I still want it. And as a direct result of his behavior and his actions, he missed out on what God had for him. How sad is it when people get caught up in the wrong pursuits in life and they miss the things that God actually has for them. What is my point? Everyone's sacrificing something. So choose carefully what you sacrifice. You're sacrificing sleep right now by being here this morning or breakfast or whatever people do on Sunday mornings. I don't know. Haven't had a Sunday morning to myself in a while. But whatever they do, you're here now. So you're sacrificing time. Time's one of the most precious things that you've got and you sacrifice it with all of your choices. You're making decisions all of the time. And imagine if you were choosing all your life and you get to the end and suddenly you realize you're completely dissatisfied with the choices that you make. You don't want to end up dissatisfied. See, if satisfaction doesn't come by keeping all of our money, perhaps, perhaps there's a better option. If we can look at the people who've got heaps and they assure us that the satisfaction doesn't come by keeping it, perhaps we can skip the journey of the pursuit and go straight to the end and go, perhaps there's something better that we can do with it. Warren Buffett is the second wealthiest man in America. He's worth $58 billion. In his life, he's given away $17 billion. His goal by the end of his life is to give away 99% of everything that he's got. And he's not alone. There is a whole heap of billionaires um, all over America who are trying to give away their, mouth, their, their wealth. I think that they've discovered something that we can skip straight to the end and say there's something about giving it away. There's something about sacrificing what you've got that could possibly bring you more joy and more satisfaction than just keeping it. And if you buy into the lie today, you'll say, yes, of course, the billionaires can afford to do it because they're rich. But then the moment that you say that, you know, you just bought into the lie. You know why? Because if you earn over $46,000, what did we discover? If you earn over $46,000 in this country, you're in the top 4% of earners globally. Guess what? There is less of a difference between you and Warren Buffett as there is between you and most of the world. 
So why should we pay attention to this? Because you know what? Jesus said it's hard for the rich to get into heaven. You know why? Because most of the time, I don't reckon they've got any clue that they're rich. The rich guy is always someone else. This would be a great warning to all of the rich people. Oh my gosh, it could be us. Whoa. Well, maybe if it is, we should pay attention to what Jesus says about how difficult it is for the rich people to get into heaven. You want to know why it's hard for the rich people to get into heaven? Because it decreases their options. When I'm rich, I can choose my life. When I give my wealth away, I narrow my options. You know the thing about giving your wealth away to the right cause is that even though you narrow your own options, do you understand that you increase other people's options? where people could be stuck in a life that they wish they didn't have. And here we are with the answer, with the ability, with the wealth, with the resource. Yes, we narrow our own personal options, but we increase other people's options. We let them out of situations that they shouldn't have to be in. That's our blessing. That's what we get to do. That's what we have the ability to do. That's what we absolutely should do. The other thing about giving away what you have is it increases your dependency which is really hard if the very thing you're giving away is the thing that you depend on. And that's why it's hard. Where's your hope? Where's your heart? Where is it? You know why it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven? Because they love their lifestyles. They love their lifestyles. Jesus says to this guy, one thing you lack, give away everything that you've got. It's a preference issue. Well, I would prefer that I don't give away anything because my preference is me. I would prefer to not give other people options. I would, I would prefer that I get all the options. I would pre- it's a preference issue. Jesus says, give away everything you've got. Bang, reveals the guy's heart instantly to himself because he didn't know it do you know why it said that he was so upset instantly what what he he knew he had a choice he goes you can give away everything you've got and follow me or you can keep it and stay where you are it's the kingdom or riches what do you want to do instantly broke the man's heart you know why his choice was already made instantly broke the man's heart he went away sorrowful why sorrowful because he knew straight away he wasn't going to be able to do it he knew straight away, as soon as Jesus said that, he said, that's impossible for me. You know, it says that the guy had great possessions. No, great possessions had him. Great possessions had him. When you live a lifestyle that prevents you from being generous because you've got no margin, because your lifestyle is inflated to the point where it uses your entire budget. How do I say this less offensively? I'm not sure. You're not doing it right. You're not doing life right. There is supposed to be margin. There's supposed to be something for you to give away. And I can't look at everybody's circumstance and individual situation. I'm sure there are people that are struggling and making it through and saying, well, I don't know what I could give. I'm only just making ends meet. But you know, there's a lot of people here that actually could do it if they just reworked their lifestyle. If they just settled for something maybe a little bit less or maybe less upgrades in their life. I don't know. 
The lifestyle that inhibits generosity means that it's harder for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. You know why? Because people that are about the kingdom, do you know what they do? They give everything for it. Jesus tells a parable. He tells a couple of parables about the exact same point. He tells a parable about the the pearl of great price. We're not going to read it, but he says there's a pearl merchant. And he finds his pearl and it's unbelievable. And he sells everything for that one pearl. So as a man finds a treasure in, his, in a field, he goes, he sells everything he has just to buy that field. Why? Because there was greater treasure in that field than everything else that he had. What's his point? His point is the pearl and the treasure in the field are just like the kingdom of God. And he's saying that once you find the kingdom of God, once you see things clearly, once Jesus is your master and wealth is no longer your hope and wealth is no longer your pursuit, you'll give everything for that because that just became exceedingly wealthy to you. And when we're not prepared to sacrifice, there's this part of me with no condemnation here today. There's this part of me that thinks, oh, you know what? Maybe we're just not seeing it the way that we should be. Maybe we're not seeing things the way that they should be because sacrifice reveals your heart and your hope. Here's what Psalm 4 verses 5 to 8 says. It says, Offer right sacrifices to the Lord and put your, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Oh, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Wealth is an illusion. It really is. I mean, you think about it. The people that want it, that really want it badly, they can't get enough of it. It's like salt water. You know, you you, you drink it. The more you drink it, every time you have a sip, you think it's hydrating you. Salt water, seawater dehydrates you. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. Same with the pursuit of wealth. The people that want it, they can't actually get enough to ever satisfy them. The people that have it don't actually realize that they have it. And the people without it think that hope is in it. But you know what I think? I think that if you were to truly sit down and ask most people in life, hey, what would really make you exceedingly happy? You know what I think they'd say? I think they'd answer like Psalm 4 and they'd say, I want peace. I want sleep. If you knew who God was, you'd probably want Him too. They want safety. They want satisfaction. They want joy. They want peace. Because what good is everything if you have everything and you forfeit your soul? What good is it if you've got everything, but you've got anxiety all the time about never having enough? You know why? Because maybe your hope is put into that. What good is it to have all of this stuff and then constantly worry about losing it, not having enough? Maybe we're just doing it wrong. Maybe we haven't got it the way that God was explaining it to us in the passage that we read. How tired would you be Who loses sleep over not having enough money? I don't know. In a room this size, it's got to be a couple of people that just worry about not having enough. How's my super going? I understand that. I'm practical too. I think there's something about storing things up for yourself in your future. I get that. But I'm saying there are people that that are filled with anxiety, that are worried, that lose sleep at night. You know what those people would say? They would say, what I wouldn't give for peace in my heart. What I'm saying that whatever you've got, 
you can have the peace. Psalm 4 just told us that God will put more peace and in our hearts. And when our heads hit the pillow at night, we can sleep easy. Why? Because our hope is in Him. Because He is our dependency. And as long as money is your dependency, of course you'll worry about it because it can be taken from you. But the thing about Jesus is no one will ever take Him from you. Who can? He's out of this world. Like literally, He's out of this world. Where will people go to take your hope if your hope is in Him? Where could someone come steal your peace from? They could raid your bank account. You could sleep at night. You know why? God's got your back. Would it be awesome to just know that God's got your back? That no matter what happens in life, you don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be always filled with anxiety. You'll be like, oh, I know this is not the ideal situation, but God is my hope. God is my hope. He's for me. Who dare be against me? He's for me. What weapon against me could prosper? He's for me. If God is for you, what could be against you? Where's your hope today? Where's your hope today? Here's what you got to do. You got to be rich. You got to sacrifice. Be rich, sacrifice. Sacrifice your preferences so that you can increase someone else's options. You got to trust in God. You got to trust in your Father so you know your hope is always where it should be. At the very end of this passage, Jesus tells a promise. He says, if anyone who leaves, you know, houses and family and land and all the rest of it, will receive a hundredfold more in this life and in the life to come. Some of you might hear that and go, well, I don't know how that really works. You're telling me that if I give a dollar, I'll get a hundred bucks back. If I give a hundred dollars, I get $10,000 back. I'm not so sure it works. If you're thinking like that, you're still thinking like the rich young ruler. You haven't caught it yet because there's something worth a hundred times more than the money that's in your hand. There's something that's available to everyone who puts their hope in Him that's worth way more than the amount of money that could fill your bank account. There's something worth heaps more than that. Don't make the mistake of still thinking down the money line. Think eternally. Think bigger than that. What could be better than that money coming back into your bank account? Are you ready for it? Jesus. Jesus. You know, Jesus is you know, basically the answer to everything. What could be better than money? Jesus. What could be better than seeing your bank filled with money, the Kingdom of God outworked in your life? What amount of money would you give away so that you could walk to somebody, pray, see them healed in Jesus' Name? Jesus does what money could never do. And once your hope is in Him, everything gets better. If your treasure is Jesus, who cares about everything else? If your hope is Jesus, who cares about everything else? Everyone's making sacrifices in this life. Make sure you make the right sacrifice. Make sure that He is truly in your heart, your treasure. And some people may not even realise that their hope is in something else until they come to the time of sacrifice. It's hard for the house day. I'm absolutely talking about sacrificing 
heart for the house because even my wife and I, we sat down and we said, hey, what, are we, what can we give? Sometimes it's not a matter of what do you want to give. I'm like, well, what's the maximum we can do? That's always my heart. My heart is always, what's the maximum? I don't want to sacrifice my marriage on the altar of wealth. I don't want to sacrifice my health on the altar of wealth. I don't want to sacrifice my children or my calling. But man, I'll tell you something right now. This is just me. I'm just being honest this morning. I will sacrifice my wealth on the altar of God because He is my treasure. I'll sacrifice my wealth on the altar of God every time because you know what? I reckon I'm a hundred times better off being with Him than I am if I just keep what I have. Can you receive that this morning? Can you get that this morning? Man, we have an amazing God with unlimited ability, potential, peace. Peace. You know, the more I speak to people these days, I think, do you know what people are after most in their life? Peace. To be rid of anxiety, to be rid of worry. Jesus becomes your hope. You can start to worry less. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.